0: It's Thursday, June 7th, 2018, and you're listening to episode 486 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 47 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name is Chad. Is this Fear the Boot? Yes, this is Fear the Boot. Oh, okay. But we do have joining us today... What we have just learned is, in fact, the official podcast of Michelob Ultra. We have from Happy Jack Stu. Why, hello. And Kimmy. Hi there. Who we're not going to dox, but so I've just learned has a very amusing last name. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. You're welcome. So, Chad, I feel like we need to be the sponsor of something. Yes. Because- th- th- Anti-stroke medicine or- <laughs> Anti-stroke medicine. Or one of those medications that treats stroke but causes stroke.
1: Oh yeah, oh, man!
0: It's just—it's just not right that Happy Jacks now has this like multi-million dollar contract right. to advertise Michelob Ultra, <laughs> and uh-uh. the kind of money they spend on advertisement. I think culture. you know I you know why I think we haven't gotten the offer is because Anheuser Busch knows we're bigger. Well, that, yeah. And they just can't <laughs> afford us. It's it's the same reason your corner market doesn't advertise during the Super Bowl. Hmm. They were just like, you know what, it's Fear of the Boot, we can't afford that. Uh-huh. We're gonna have to stick with like major sporting events and, and- So Fear of the Boot would be like Cheetos or something. We'd be I, like I, the official gamer podcast of Orange Fingers. Or, yes, or Chinese debt holdings or something like
2: that. <laughs> what, about, what about meth? How about or meth? Meth? Math. meth. Yeah. There's lots puppy, of meth.
0: Puppy mills? Bad decisions involving bitcoins. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, some cryptocurrency that nobody's ever heard of. Yes, but... We
3: are secretly sitting. Fear coins. Fear the coin. Fear the coin. Fear oh coins. my god! Yeah, <laughs> I'll get
0: to work on it now. Our market cap's gonna be boot cool. coins. Yeah, boot coins. Boot coins. Yeah, we should go. have a contest. And na- we've not had a contest in a long time. We should have a contest, to like com- to, to name our name bullsh- our sh- crypto-cur- cryptocurrency scams. Yes, and like come uh-huh. up with like a three or four sentence pitch that's like the world's worst idea. <laughs> I, I mean, a bad, a titanically yeah. bad idea. Mine money for the boot. They don't get paid, but they do
3: cryptocurrency mining and then we get paid oh, Yeah, because we, we hold the only exchange. And once we get a certain amount of capital put into the exchange, then we disappear. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's
0: not really malware.
3: <gasps> we can kickstart it, too, and steal it. that money. <laughs> oh, my God. And then we could start a legal defense fund. <laughs> Oh, God what, damn it. That, that charity one With isn't stealing Yeah, something. Indiegogo. Go. Somebody has yes,
0: some that money. All right, all right. Oh, this my is, God. This, Chad has had a fantastic idea. The yes. problem is I don't know how to execute. <laughs> somebody call Palladium. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. So, all right. Well, there was something we were talking about on the show, and I think it also got mentioned on, like, Facebook or the forums mm. or I don't know, or somewhere on social media. And Stu said he was interested in talking about this topic because he said he did a lot of it during college and we're not talking about drugs or butt stuff. And so that's what we're going to talk about that stuff. Yeah. So we're going to talk about playing yourself in a role playing game. And to define this, when we say playing yourself, we don't mean having a paper thin character that's effectively you because you're not really role playing. That's Mm -hmm. not what we mean. We mean you are literally attempting to play your person. Your name is at the top of the character sheets. The stats reflect your vision of yourself or how we're <laughs> going to do this. And I've it's got, nice <laughs> and I've got tons of thoughts on this. But Stu, I first want to hear your terrible gaming and college stories. You said you guys did this a lot, a couple, well, a, a few times, a few times. Okay, because yeah. for most uh. groups. This is like butt stuff. It's like an experiment (laughs) you do and then don't really come back to. Tell us,
3: Dan, about butt stuff and how it is
0: like this. Please expand on this deep... Penetrating thought. I would, but I suddenly smell toast. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah, they're very convenient. (laughs) Timely stroke. (laughs) All right, so, student, why? What brought you guys back? This, like, what kinds of games were you playing? Why were you playing
2: yourselves as opposed to characters? I think the first time we did it, it was being run by a friend of ours. And this is back, actually, in college when we we're we we're playing in a dorm room on Friday nights. One of our buddies named Brian had this concept for a game he wanted to run. He wouldn't tell us anything about it. He said, "But we're all going to sit down." And back then, we were all playing GURPS. He said, "We're going to sit down. And we're going to all make ourselves as characters." And he well, he didn't make himself as a character, but a couple of the other uh, others of us did. And we sat you, down. You guys are all normal
3: guys, and he made himself as
2: Hercules. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the the interesting thing was. We all had veto power over each other's choices on our character sheets. So it's like, oh, what'd you put your IQ at? Oh no, your IQ's not that high. You have to drop that by at least one number. And then they would Yeah, and the other other others would look at the character sheet and say or ask us to validate or justify the presence of skills. How did that
0: go? I mean, was there a lot of hurt feelings? Was there tension? There wasn't. There wasn't at a different because table of you it
3: might had have feeling. Well, and it sounds like it's a good check and balance too because you don't want to be the one called out. So it behooves you to be as accurate as
2: possible. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. And that's that's pretty much what happened. And and there was a couple of times when it's like, "Okay, let's arm wrestle because you say you're 2 points stronger than I am and I think I can take you." And then the, and there a, a couple of things like that happened. But for the most part, we took uh, we spent basically one evening, probably 3 hours or so making characters and revising them, and then we started the game the next week, and it turned into a zombie apocalypse game, which eventually turned into a post-apocalyptic fantasy game. But it started out as some sort of weird supernatural catastrophe, and we didn't really realize it was going to become a zombie apocalypse when it started. But to me, about that game especially, because that's the only time where I've played myself in a game, you don't want to (laughs) die. You re- because you don't have a bench, right? You're right. just There's not multiple yourself, years. <laughs> right? There's not like it's not like oh I'm, I'm playing Grog the Barbarian next. I'm going to play Glork the Barbarian. I no, mean, you, it's-
3: you could even say well okay I'm going to play my brother or my sister. In which case people like me are screwed because I'm an only child. So yeah,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. I guess you could kind of come up with sort of a riff off yourself, like. Stu dies, so now I'm playing Professor Von Steubenstein. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: right. But, but to, to me, the, the, that was the most interesting thing, is we all suddenly became, and I think maybe this reflects at real life pretty accurately, we became very cowardly. Yeah, mm. And it's like, and, and oh, really, there's guns going off, we're going the other direction.
3: And really, that's how it should be, because in a role-playing game, usually, depending on your big damn hero, if somebody starts popping off shots, you are running towards the shots. And right. because that's where the game is and that's where the adventure is but the actual for real legit people who are sitting here unless we've had some sort of like really intense military training and combat experience were probably panicking or running away or trying to stay alive in some manner right uh-huh. instead of looking cool and doing the
2: cool thing so oh boy, yeah there was none of there was none of that i mean <laughs> a little bit later on there was But in the beginning part of that game, especially, because when when we knew nothing of what was going on, we spent all of our time avoiding contact with anyone. At one point, it was just uh, two players. It was me and this guy, Fred. And we basically were able to figure out how to, uh, we found a car, and mercifully, the keys were in it, because neither of us know how to hotwire a car. Right. Because if we did, it hits one of the tests he would do is say, Oh, you know how to hotwire a car? Well, how do you do that? Yeah. And If you could explain it to him. That is one of me. the
0: first things I was going to point out about this is one of the things this allows, and this also causes some problems, which I'm going to come back to. But one of the things this allows is the show me test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. which is very Missouri of us, but right. just, you get the show me <laughs> test. And, somebody says i can do this or i Rather know how the to do this state
3: test or <laughs> something
0: like that yeah or you know i i can move in this weird fashion or i've got this skill show me mm-hmm. i mean you can ask the person to go well, there's an there's easy a problem test. with show me right well because so, the gm may not be able to test well, it
3: so like take me for example i read a lot of books right i mean I, I read a lot of a large variety of subjects so we're playing this game and i'm playing me and we come to a locked door and i'm like okay i picked the lock and you're like well show me okay chad how do you pick a lock and i can tell you in detail i can even draw pictures and describe to you how to pick a lock about the torque wrench the tumblers right. and why that is and because of the the manufacturing differences and variances and this is how you do it and this is the techniques and blah 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 i've never picked a lock in my
0: life mm-hmm. i have no idea if i can or can't but i certainly know how as a bit of amusing trivia I actually have a transparent lock,
2: right. and a set of
0: lock picks. I'm serious. I'm yeah, serious. Sure. I really do have these. Yeah. Oh, but, I, I do as well. But your point is well-received. Yeah. I don't have a transparent lock. But, I, your, but your point I, is well-received yeah. that you could easily come up with something I can't test. Right. And, or you have some knowledge or pretend to have some knowledge mm-hmm. that is so far afield of what I know that I take your word yeah. for it, even though you're bluffing. And so I think there is a level of trust mm-hmm. because I cannot defer back as easily to a character sheet and say, well, roll this. right? Because, I mean, you're like, look, I know it. I really do. I really can do this. I really have done that. I really mm-hmm. do know these three things. I not like I can say roll against that. If it's you, it's you. Right. And so it, it does take away a certain test that we would otherwise use of, well, I don't know if your character would know this, so just... Give me a 2D6 and roll high, and and we'll call that a success. Mm -hmm.
1: So I have a question. Uh, As a GM, then, if you're running that game do you do the show me test or do you have people roll for it what did your gm Deuce do, Stu?
2: we used the dice because our general rule was if you're doing something that you have skill in and your skill level is decent if it's a routine thing and there's not a time crunch you're not under pressure or something like that you, you can just do it but if yeah. you're in a hurry or something like lock picking yeah. I, i've got that lock pick set and i well, have that test lock i can open that thing fine Any other lock in my house is like Fort Knox. Right. And also think
3: of it this way. You are trying to open a lock that isn't your clear lock and 50 yards away is a horde of zombies. So, I mean, no pressure, Stu. If you don't do this, we're dead. So, you know, take your time. Do you want me to get you some lemonade? It's all good. Yeah, I
0: I think there is a fair difference between a test of success. Versus the rather binary test of is this within your wheelhouse right, at all? Right, you know, sure. yeah. do, do you know how to operate the safety on this model of shotgun? Yeah. Now, can you do it while you're being chased well, by a horde so, of zombies? Is a different. So test. that's
3: another good question. Of we're nerds, let's just admit that. I know AB is going to be shocked when they hear it, but we're all nerds. And so what being a nerd
0: means is... No, this is a football show. <laughs> right. anheuser Bush, keep that money flowing. <laughs> right. Nerds. If Happy Jacks was out of business, then we're going to go under antitrust scrutiny. Right. So, like, <laughs> and then our whole bootcoin scam <laughs> is out the door. So like Microsoft floating Macintosh, we need right. Happy Jacks to succeed. So, so like the there nerd... There you go. We're safe. Right.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's (laughs) us.
3: So the nerd thing is, what about... It's like, you're asking, you know, can you pick this lock? It's like a yes-no binary thing, and then we move on. But with nerds, it's like there is a depth of knowledge, too. So as a GM, you can say, Dan, you like the Second Amendment, and you like your firearms and stuff without getting political or anything. But you could say... Dan, a horde of zombies. It's like, okay, well, I take the gun off the cop and I start shooting at the zombies. And it's like, well, do you know how to operate a gun? Well, yeah, yeah and you tell me. Yeah, I do. It's like, oh, okay. Well, okay, this is a Sig Sauer 6.9. I'm making stuff up now. This is a six nine one. It has two safeties, a slide lock, and you know this, that, and the other thing. You can't just pull it out and start pulling the trigger. Do you even know
0: how to do it? And you're like... All right, how under the microscope are we getting? Well, yeah, and I think there certainly can be. There's a saying that Broder's older brother told me, and Uh I completely agree with it. I think he may have even said it on the show. I don't remember, because we did have him as a guest once. Was it smart? Then,
3: if it was, then he said on the show.
0: Yeah. So it's back there somewhere. <laughs> right. If, you, if you've never heard this before, you just haven't found that episode. Right. But the saying was anyone who knows the word pedant is one. And <laughs> so, like that. And I think he's 100% right. Uh-huh. And certainly there is a level of pedantry that you can get into here for one who's not a pedant and doesn't know what that means. <laughs> it means somebody who's very, very nitpicky and microscopic about facts, like what we're talking about, the difference between this model of pistol and another pistol. That's otherwise extremely similar. It's being pedantic. And so I think there would be a level of extraction where I think it'd be like any other character. You have to get some give and take and say, okay, well this is in your ballpark, Mm -hmm. you know, all right, maybe you've never seen this particular model of gun before. But you do know how to use firearms, Mm -hmm. and so we're going to give you a certain role in this versus looking at somebody else at the table who, by their own admission, said, I've never touched a gun in my life, don't like guns, whatever. And you say, OK, for you, it's a very different role.
3: Right. Well, and I think that the reason this is a danger, because I think that people listening to this who've never done this kind of game before, and I, I have a couple of times might think, well, why would you even, a game master or a player, go to that depth and level of pedantry? And, you know, because you don't do that in normal gaming necessarily, and you, you just kind of say, okay, that's fine, cool, you, you got a pistol, you know how to use guns, make your roll, go, boom, move on. But you have to understand that usually the mindset going into this kind of game is about analyzing the self. It is about understanding how strong you really are or not, understanding how smart Mm -hmm. you are or not, how charismatic you are or not, and then what skills you know and don't know and to what level and to what usefulness, if any, that they are. So it's a lot of like inward reflection, which means that people do, even if they don't necessarily want to or think that they are, do kind of tend to go to that level of depth. Because your mind is already thinking about that because of
0: the nature of the game. All right, let's talk about character creation then because I think that ties into this because there is going to be a tendency among players to do one of two things. I think more often than not, people are going to get defensive or they're going to overestimate their ability. But at the same time, I think there are people that will underestimate themselves. Actual Brodor... Mm -hmm. Thinks he's a moron. He is absolutely not. He's absolutely not a moron. He has some crazy ideas, but he is not, by any stretch of the imagination, a stupid person. I think if I was to hand him a D&D character sheet, he would set his end at like eight or something, (laughs) when I think (laughs) it should be notably higher than that. And now, so people like that do exist. But I think more often than not, people are going to get defensive. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you, Stu, you said this wasn't an issue because it was just sort of group consensus.
2: Oh, it, yeah. I had, I had been told by the pe- people at the table that I had to, that I had to bump my IQ up from like 12 to 13 or 14 or something. I don't remember exactly what the numbers were, but they, had, they had said I had estimated my IQ too low. So I'm actually one of those people.
3: You know, some systems, and I don't know if GURPS does this. Probably it does because GURPS kind of gets down in the weeds at some times. Mm. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that there, I mean, you can't really measure charisma, right? Because it's no, a soft but, thing. Yeah. But, but strength, I mean, like, I think in old D&D, at least, it said, if your strength is X, you can lift Y pounds. Yeah, no, it still if does. You can, if your constitution is
0: X, you can run y Within minus. the core rule books, some of the attributes do get quantified. Mm. And if you look through their splat books or people's overthinking this online, right. you can find plenty of ways of trying to quantify it or the note that I put here is I described it as level setting, and when I say level setting, I don't mean levels in like first level, second level, third level. I mean level setting is in like saying, okay, according to this chart, if you can deadlift two hundred and fifty pounds, this should be your strength, and that's something that's fairly easy to test. Three hundred
3: fifteen fairly... jerk.
0: Okay, well I did it last night. I will look that up that on is a chart. My new record. I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sorry. sure
3: it's i an I'm D&D very card. happy for myself.
1: But you but 325. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah. You? Yeah. you That's <laughs> f-ing awesome. Thank
0: you. I'm impressed. That is
1: awesome. That's my
0: jam. <laughs> nice. But that I great. but all right, but I think the point being that as you said, some of these soft attributes are much harder to quantify or to agree yeah. upon a standard of quantification. Intelligence, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah. I would argue that academic achievement is not a good measure of intelligence. Right. Other people would. Uh, I as a teacher
1: would agree with
3: you
0: mm-hmm. in the same way. <laughs> you Charisma, as a
3: deadlifting teacher
0: would agree. Charisma, how do you even, <laughs> I, I think we could agree that some people are charismatic or uncharismatic, but, but how do you quantify, how do you that? quantify yeah. that? Yeah. Well,
3: and it's like int you can say, well, int is you, you take an IQ test it, one. That's, you know, you can even take an online one nowadays that is roughly accurate and not like what kind of leprechaun you are. But, you, you know, it's like you get your IQ. It's like I your IQ ranges this, so your int is this. But what does int mean? Does int mean IQ? What does IQ mean? Does int mean knowledge? Yeah. Should I go down to the corner bar and clean up on a trivia contest, and that means I have a high int? Or does it mean that I'm stupid and
0: I just know a lot of stuff?
3: Or am I intelligent and I know a lot of yeah, stuff? So, it's,
0: But I think, nonetheless, if you accept that no standard is perfect, there is some way of level-setting attributes in some systems. Now, not all of them will have sure. this, but I think some of them will have something that says this is what the range is. Now, one of the things that I personally tried in the past and would suggest avoiding is do not make the upper number a world record. Right. Here's why I say <laughs> that. That person is such an outlier yeah. of genetics and humanity that yeah. they are a scale unto themselves. What I mean is... I like the would,
3: Magnus Magnuson, yes, the, the mountain I, guy. So
0: do not go yeah. out and look He's up... He's
3: not a 20. He's beyond.
0: Precisely. Don't yeah. go... Ellis to take D&D, 3 to 18. Do not go out, look up what the highest deadlift in human history is, divide that by 18, and try to work out everybody's strength. because (laughs) (laughs) do not work out speed based on your running speed versus Usain Bolt Mm -hmm. right don't because it doesn't work because these people are such outliers they break the system they break the system and if they're representable in the system if you're playing Magnus Magnuson or something like that then you should have special feats that well take you way above an 18 strength. Well, Think about it this way too. If it's say it's a point by system and I want
3: to play Magnus Magnuson or whoever, or same bolt, whoever it's like, yeah, I got to min max myself to meet the criteria of what he is, but I don't think either of those guys are dumb. So I got to pick That's a dump. That's fascinating. Step, you know, yeah. Some,
1: I didn't even think about that. Like the point by system. It's like, okay, where do I prioritize? Yeah. Okay. I and mean, then I hate to tell you this,
3: but there are people out there who are just better. Yes. I mean they're stronger, they're I, faster, I they're agree. smarter. It's it's they, they're I believe more charismatic. You know, all people. Life is not fair.
0: Precisely, and, and I am completely in agreement with you. And this was a debate we had on the show. There was a disagreement, an internal disagreement amongst the show hosts during one of the episodes. And they may disagree now. Yeah, silence means that they agree, they agree with us now. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> years ago, and, and what they said was, some of us fell on the side of. Life's not fair, and if you look at the things that a role-playing game quantifies, which let's say right now is not every facet of a human being, Mm -hmm. but if you look at the five to ten things they opt to quantify, then not everyone is going to come out equal. Mm -hmm. Now, I fully believe that all people are equal morally, are equal in terms of their value as a human being, Mm -hmm. that they have... This, you know, equal worth, equal rights, et cetera, et cetera. But if I was to take every human being and use the six stats from d and I do not believe using that standard. All right, right, let me stress using that standard, those six stats that everyone would add up to an equal point spread. Right now, the one thing that I will say in favor of a point buy, assuming you're not playing someone who has just an outlandish outlier stat, where you have to dump stat like oh, that. If, it, if everyone who's playing is within a certain range of it what is makes, considered average, it's easy. Sure, and, and it, what it does is I think it does limit the amount of potential emotional fallout mm-hmm. because of the fact that you have to balance it all out. So if I say, okay, we're going to play D&D, it's a point buy with this many points, and everyone has to work within that, then I don't have to worry that everyone at the table is going to be in a cruel mood and don't stab me across the board. Mm-hmm. They have to give it to me somewhere. Or conversely, that I'm going to have this high opinion of myself, and I'm straight 18s. Right. Another thing that I think is important to decide, and should probably be worked out up front, in addition to how are we going to get this, are we going to level set, are we going to point by, what are we going to do to make sure everyone's honest and not getting their feelings hurt? is to also determine who gets to do what. All right, meaning if we do a point-by system, for example, let's say in D&D, do I make me? Does the rest of the table sans me make me? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Do oh, yeah. I, Do I make me and other people get to veto? Do other people make me and I get to veto? What's the order of operations going to be? And I think for me personally, my preferred setup would be it's a point-by, so everyone is basically fairly distributed. Because once again, I don't think there's anyone I know who I'd give a Magnus Magnuson level of outlier <laughs> stat to. <laughs> and I think, secondly, is I would have the rest of the group sons that person make the stats.
3: I really yeah. like what Stu's group did, and I also agree with him it won't work with every group, is that you make your own character, but everybody gets a veto, and there's a sort of social desire, at least I interpreted it as a social desire, to not get a veto. So uh-huh. you oh, sure. are yeah. motivated to be within your proper ranges, yeah. No matter what, and if there is a veto, then you know there's discussion. Or Like you said, it's like okay, you say you're that smart, you're, or or uh, you say you're stronger than I am by this many points. Okay, put your arm on the table. We're gonna arm wrestle this. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly.
1: Yeah. I think it's interesting. I like the idea of, like, peer pressure keeping you honest. I think that my problem would be, like, with doing this, me and my friends have very similar skill sets for the most part. Like, we were all talking about earlier, like, what are the chances of having four people in a conversation and three of them having lockpick sets? Like, what do you think the chances of that in our (laughs) modern society are? As gamers, we tend to have a very similar interest and draws, uh, even when we're completely far apart and don't actually know each other in like face-to-face real life. So how do you avoid like running into that, hey, we all have the same skills? We're a t- total party of bards. What do we well, do? It's,
3: it's great for my group of friends. It's it's like we're all computer nerds, and we work right. in IT. And then as a game master, I just have the power go out. <laughs> Everybody's screwed.
0: <laughs> Everyone is equally screwed. If you take something like D&D. There is nothing about any of us that really comes all that close to representing those character classes. Yeah, D and D is a horrible system for this because you play big damn heroes. Well, yeah. I even if you say it's a good system, I think what gets interesting about that is you look at the individual and you try to say if they existed. No, I'm sorry, D&D. Dan,
3: I just don't have an alchemy skill. I don't <laughs> well, speak a draconic. But let's say D and
0: D was real. Right.
3: Let, let's not. That would be horrible. Horrible. Well, it depends on which setting. <laughs> I mean, you, we would have angry gods who hate us. We'd, <laughs> we'd have <laughs> Moander. We'd have trash
0: monsters everywhere. It depends on the setting, but... Uh-huh. We'd have fucking wemix <laughs> I would be. That's right. Uh-huh. I would be yeah. a Weemick. I'd come out as a Weemick. But no. All right. So you can, though, do a quick exercise and be like, you know, what is everyone closest to? Mm-hmm. For example, when Wayne actually did this, and I don't know if he posted this publicly or posted privately, but he went down his list of friends that he games with. So the people in fear of the booth, the people that he's with on the Sunday game, whatever. And he tried to figure out what character class would each of these people be. And I remember when he got to me, he he was originally going with cleric because of Mm -hmm. the fact that, well, I don't get into it on the show. I am ordained and participate Mm -hmm. in organized religion and such. And he ended up instead saying, no, Dan is too protective and, Quite frankly, knows a bit too much about violence, <laughs> and he ended up settling on Danza Paladin. Mm-hmm. And he I was can't a-
3: picture you in plate, a-
0: and he <laughs> You're was too a- skinny. <laughs> well, but, but the point is though that he was able to do that all the way down the line, and his reasoning yeah. was fascinating of how he came up with, for example, John has a good memory, he has an analytical mind, he sees the world in a fairly analytical fashion, and as a result, Tinker or Gnome Sorcerer, he put him as a sure. wizard. And you know, he he was able to kind of go down the whole line of everyone he knew like that. And once you know, again, I don't remember how he did all of them, mm-hmm. but his math figuratively, not literally, right. but his thought process made a lot of sense. It's a similar exercise with Shadow Run, because forget character class, what race would somebody be if they changed? Mm-hmm. You know, for example, mm-hmm. I'm tall, skinny, fine featured, Dwarf. Dwarf, exactly. Right. I mean, I'd be an elf. Fairly right. obvious, yeah. you know. Uh,
3: <laughs> Depending on the addition. Some some elves were shortened. Yeah, well, no, I'm and talking about Shadowrun. it. Oh, Shadowrun. Shatter- gotcha.
0: So Shadowrun, they're tall, thin, mm-hmm. fine-featured. I, I mean, I look like a Shadowrun elf if I was, you know, if this occurred, that's what I would become. Assuming I didn't stay human. Right. I think it was like 60 to 70% of the population stayed human. So, I mean, let's say you make your roll, right? So you take a d10, you roll it, and on, I don't know... A nine or a 10 on a D10, you change species. But if you change species, what would you be? Mm -hmm. Uh You know, and for example, Chad, in your case, you're tall. Mm -hmm. You're a hairy dude. Mm -hmm. You're obviously physically fit. Mm -hmm. The only decision I'd be working on is whether it's orc or troll or gnome. Or gnome. There's no gnomes in in Chatter on that, They
3: would be a lot more fun if
0: there were. It would be. (laughs) But. Why are there no gnomes in Shadowrun? I don't know. Are they just not badass enough? I'm sure there are, like, in a magic book or something, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. But, all right, my point being that I think there is some logic you can work through. And another place this would pop up is in a system that's not as strongly numeric. Because the decisions we're making here are not ones of quantity, they're ones of quality. Mm. Fate would be a great example. So it would do the exact same thing. You know, I would because that- you have to describe yourself conceptually. So I write down one concept in the past to my left, and Chad, you write right. down my second concept. I think
3: fate would be a much better medium for this kind of game. I mean, when when the the maybe three four times I've played this kind of game in my life, the the whole narrative concept of fate and things that were like that just didn't even exist or were at least totally outside of my mind, my group's knowledge. But yeah, the, the sort of softer, less number driven, more concept driven, more narrative stuff would be a lot better to do. Because especially with fate, I mean, people have catchphrases, people have quirks, people have things they do, people have things that they're known for. And then that's your attributes. That's what defines your character much Mm -hmm. like in real life.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, the, the the interesting thing when we did that game, at one point, we were trying to avoid these like supernatural explosions or something. Then we got to the point where we couldn't avoid them anymore. And we got caught in one. And we woke up an undetermined number of millennia later. And <laughs> a, a fantasy civilization had evolved. And then we we started manifesting who we would be in this world where magic had reawakened.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah,
2: so like I actually Ash
3: got... and the Evil Dead that sort of thing, where he has a couple of chemistry books in his trunk, he makes <laughs> gunpowder
0: and stuff. Right? Have you Steve seen that? Engines. I'll link this to show notes. So I remember somebody put together a one-page printout that it's like a, it's called like a time traveler's guide or something like mm-hmm. that, and this one page tells you how from scratch to like rebuild critical technologies. Like it's like okay it, with nothing but the things you would find like in the middle ages or the mm-hmm. bronze age if you do this and this you've now made a rudimentary magnifying glass and if you do this and this you've now begun growing bread mold and this is which of the bread molds that <laughs> penicillin is yeah and now you begin culturing that you cure diseases and then if you do this and this and it, it it's all like real basic mm-hmm. of how <laughs> to work from you can make batteries yeah, it's stuff like that. I don't remember everything that was on there, but it's like, here's how to sort of recreate modern society from right. the things that are available mm-hmm. in a and d level of technology. It's hmm. <laughs> awesome. All right, so let's talk about the narrative aspect of this because there is something that Chad and I have talked about that we're on the same page with, which is, I think, one of the hardest things to plausibly role-play Is the moment of shift. Right. So when the zombie apocalypse. We're
3: recording a podcast. Everything's chill. Zombies or dragons or whatever.
0: I get a text that says turn on the news and there's a zombie apocalypse. How would I genuinely react to that? Yeah. Or. Suddenly, I walk through a door, and instead of being in the bathroom, I'm in Narnia. Yeah, what is my that is really hard? I think for anyone to imagine. I think that as a game master,
3: one of the things that you really should avoid doing is you get a text that says "turn on the new," because even if it's dragons and zombies and all that sort of stuff, every single group on the planet will play out the first half hour of this game exactly the same way. Uh Disbelief. I, I turn on the news, it's got to be a War of the Worlds-style hoax. And it, it's not real until you actually are in front of a zombie or a dragon or really? something like that. I think like it
0: would that. go a different direction, which is, well, of course, I board up the windows.
1: <laughs> and, yeah, and well, I'm fine, like, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've been gaming too long. Like, when the zombie apocalypse happens, like, I have my plan in place.
3: So you guys are telling me that in the 1930s, was it Orson Welles? Would have come on the radio, told you that Martians were attacking, and you would have been blasting water towers with shotguns. You, would you have been those people?
0: Yeah, I, no, I, w-
1: I would have been the person like in the car packing my stuff and going like to the hills.
2: Well, yeah, <laughs> speaking, like, at, at least you could pass
0: that off as I'm. Go- I was camping, guys. No, really. No, here's the thing: to- if would people do that? Would I actually be the guy shooting water towers? <laughs> You, I, I would believe. be. I would be. And then I'd find out there was a, an alien invasion. These are unrelated facts. Right, right. I'd just be out there <laughs> shooting water towers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking I of someone to, who you, actually. I oh. you have to give some background, though, because, like, my family is, like, some of my family is the family that has the hideaway up in the hills. <laughs> and, like, when Y2K was happening, like, my dad was super pissed because I was down at a party and he was, like, up there waiting for the end of the world. <laughs> you
2: so, like, you have
1: a- I have a predisposition to believe that this shit. <laughs> and
2: be
0: prepared. Do you have a bug-out bag ready?
2: I do. Ha- I actually have a bug-out bag. Yes, he does. In-
0: you should have a bug-out For disaster preparedness. Yes, yes, everyone should have one.
2: Zombie Absolutely. apocalypse, earthquake. It's for everything. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: You know, one of the uh, issues when I've played these types of scenarios, hasn't happened every time, but when you don't do the you-are-in-Narnia thing, uh, I mean, or, or you are John Carter of Mars and you're on Mars and it's this, but was it the assume or whatever the hell that the, 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 the city is called and whatnot. If it's not that, if, it, if it's like zombies attack or there's dragons in the sky or, or Martians are coming and people are trying again, we talk about how people go deep because you're in that mode. And so you're yeah. trying to really think about what you would really do. Cause that's the point of the exercise people tend to do what they would really do, which is, where is my family? Yeah. Are my loved ones safe? Which is great. I mean, that's what you should think, except that makes a dumb game, because I don't know about you, but all of my friends' families don't live on a
0: compound in one place. I think the closest I can come to a real event like that that occurred within my lifetime would be Mm 9-11. Because when 9-11 went down, obviously bad things happened. But there was a lot of confusion, and there was a lot of speculation that much worse things were happening. There were all these scattered reports about explosions in other cities, and police responding to things, and and other planes that might be missing. And there was all of this confusion that made it seem like the world was coming apart. And here's what I did. I Real response to what, at the time, in the moment, seemed like an implausible... End of civilization scenario, and it was only later. I mean, it was tragic. Don't get me wrong, but compared to what they thought, it turned out to be much more. I don't want to say okay because it wasn't okay, but it was. It was not nearly as bad as they thought it was.
2: Well, yeah, the scale and of it was the not scale a, of it, yeah. large of an attack. Not as every
0: single was. city was getting
2: attacked. Not P- every plane precisely. Was falling this
0: was right. not. This was right. not the end of the world. Yeah, this right. was and not. There the... were
1: a lot of people, some of whom I'm related to, who really did think it was. Like yeah. they
0: were well, 100% and I. Convinced. At the time, I I had no idea. And so let me tell you what I did. You I, shot water towers. Because <laughs> it was Thursday. Why not? It was yeah, <laughs> why I was, word, I was word, already Thursday, out there yes. shooting water towers. Yeah. And somebody told me about a terrorist attack. And, <laughs> yeah. so you run no, out of meth for the day. Right. Yeah, so I went and did a when meth do, run. No. All right. So what I did was I was in my car. I had just left my apartment, was going to work. A friend of mine called me and said, hey, you need to turn on the news. Some really whacked out stuff is going down. I did. And what I did was, I pulled over in a parking lot, immediately turned the car around. I went back home. I sat down on the couch in my apartment, turned on the news. And I, because I had no idea what was going on, I put a loaded pistol on the couch cushion next to me. That was all I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I did not go start boarding up my windows. I didn't grab my bug out bag and run for the hills. I didn't have some grand plan. It was like, I don't know how to process this. And so it's like, I'm prepared to protect myself. I think I sent text messages to at least friends. I don't think my family was tech forward enough to have cell phones, (laughs) but I sent text messages to a couple of my friends to say, Hey, what are you guys, you know, up to is everybody okay? I might have made a phone call or two to family members, but other than that, it was just it was wait and see. And I think Chad, in some way, what you describe as the game you didn't want of the disbelief and wait and see and whatever. It's a boring game, but it actually is probably closer to reality.
3: And and it is how people should react. Yeah. But like I said, unless you're playing with your mom and your dad and your wife and your kid, and you start the game where everyone's playing themselves and you're all sitting around a table playing a game with your mom and your dad and your wife and your kid then, yeah, I mean, people want to make sure their loved ones are okay. So I think it's a challenge as a game master to keep everyone together and to keep them focused on the plot unless your plot is, let's do the tour of the city you live in rounding up your family, which is a valid plot. Right. It's not necessarily one that I would want to run. And maybe I think one of the solutions to that is to say okay, guys, we're going to bend reality a little bit. We're going to go off the rails of what your characters would do. Let's just assume before we start the game that something's going to happen, your folks are okay. You you get a text
0: message, you know they're okay, and you have to deal with it. Yeah, or don't tell that part of the story. Yeah. You walk into a doorway, suddenly you're Narnia, something walks up to you, a centaur walks up to you, (laughs) and says hello. you're like, hey. Four weeks later. Get it? It's a pun. Because he's a yeah. centaur. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> hey, Thanks hey, for cool.
1: explaining, though. That hey, makes you, the jokes you, funnier.
0: It does. It does. <laughs> it's like dissecting a
3: frog. You yeah. understand how it works, but both the joke and the frog are dead. Well, yeah. all I can say is...
0: <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs> that was a Mark Twain I- quote, but
3: <laughs> I'd love to take... Quite I- I- for I- Chad,
0: all I can say is I'm putting the I, the me, and the we back in the way, Mick.
1: I think that's a really great point about the GM, like, having to set expectations. mm -hmm. Um, Because especially, too, in situations like the zombie apocalypse, you have to figure out, like, how dark are you going? You know, if you are going super dark and realistic with this, do you want to involve family? Because then there's dark things happening to people's family. And this came up earlier when Stu was talking about how people don't want to get hurt in the game when they're playing themselves. I think that that can really be triggered by suddenly involving people's loved ones, too.
2: Oh, that could be horribly, that's a horribly dangerous thing to do, especially yeah. if they have, especially if they have kids and then yeah. it's well, like, yeah, what? I mean,
3: it's like, okay, magic meteor strikes and we live in St. Louis. So St. Louis is wiped out, but I'm with Dan here and we're kind of semi on the edge in, in the county of it. Well, okay. So it sinks, you know, it's like, Hey, we're processing and we're dealing with playing this game. And then suddenly it starts sinking in that almost all of Dan's family's dead. Yeah. My wife and child are dead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, like- Nobody suddenly, wants to play that game.
3: Yeah. Suddenly, I don't want to play Suddenly, my character doesn't want to play this game anymore, and I don't want to play this game anymore. It, exactly. It's, just too,
0: it's too much yeah. of a drag. Do you pull the wife from the road and you just walk out into the nightmare yeah. to die? To die because you can't, you, can't yeah, you can't take it. Because, yeah, you can't take it. Or do you just eat a bullet? I mean, and it's a very. Why I think transposing yourself to another reality. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the Narnia game, the, the Narnia yeah. game, yeah. or yeah, you fall through portal and wake up in D or whatever it is, mm-hmm. or you're playing yourself in shadow run, but we're just going to write certain family out of the picture right. or they're, they're there, but they're fine. Yeah. We're not going to deal with them. You know, your parents, your wife, your kids, your husband, whatever they're alive. They're fine. Maybe their contacts are part of backstory, But we're really just not going to involve them in the game. You
3: could take an opposite track, too, where you involve the wife, the kids, the parents, that sort of thing. And whatever the great evil is, if there's an intelligence behind it, they're captured. Uh You get information that, you you know, it's like you hand wave. Yeah, everybody goes off to check on your loved ones. And then it's two days later Uh and you kind of guys get back together. It's like they were gone. Where are they gone? And here are the clues. And they've been captured, and you have to go rescue your family.
2: Yeah. Or it's or it's like the Red Dawn scenario, and they're all in the concentration camp. <laughs> right. Watching right. watching the the propaganda movies.
3: Right. Or or they're in or the Red Dawn thing too, where they're in the town, they're the normal people of the town, and you are doing your Red Dawn Wolverines thing. But if you get caught, they're dead. Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. You can't let it be known it's you who are the Wolverines, and that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about a risk averse game then? That would uh-huh. be tense and interesting there. Yeah.
1: Now, would what? it be, Absolutely. I mean, if you wanted to have a dark kind of setting that was like grim and gritty, I, I think you could also do the thing where you say, okay, we're going to start after, okay, your families have been wiped out. Yeah. So there's not that, it's like, been a couple as of years. emotional as that is, if they're yeah. starting that before the game and it's it puts it in that game world where it's like they don't it's have just- to emotionally deal with it as they play. Yeah. That also is a way, I think, to kind of avoid that kind of the trope of you have yeah. to save your family, man, by keeping that dark feel.
3: All the games I've played like this, again, like I said, i played like three, four, five, something like that. They always start the same way. They don't have to, but it's just the ones i played is, you know, we all make our characters and we're all sitting around a table. And the game starts of we are in the same house in game, sitting around the same table in game. And then we go from there. Who says that you have to start like that? Why can't you start five years after the whatever happened happened? And the game ask and ask, like, okay, this is what happened. This is what went on. This is what was going on. It's five years later. What have you guys been doing in
0: the meantime? Yeah, do do a time jump. Or if you don't want to do a time jump, Chad, going back to Wolverine's things, there are other games that encourage you to keep it on the down low. Dresden's one of them. Don't Mm -hmm. do magical stuff in front of the mundanes, Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. their terms are for this.
1: Yeah. To me, that's more interesting setting just because you also, especially we were talking about the pros and cons of a point by system earlier that also gives you, even though you're still basing it on your basic ability, that also gives you some time to grow because, you know, five years into the zombie apocalypse, I'm going to have a, much different skill set than I do currently. You know, there's going to be things that I've gotten better at and things I've probably, you know, slacked off on and gotten worse at. So Mm -hmm. I think that also gives there a little bit of wiggle room for some creativity and fun, too.
3: Yeah, yeah, because that that gets back to your earlier point of, you know, you have a group of friends, and most people have friends who share similar interests. So you have five people sitting around a table who all know how to pick locks, but (laughs) not one of them knows how to stop or treat a stab wound. Well, five years later, maybe a couple of people have kind of dropped the lockpicking thing and have more gone to let's do some wound care.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. Once again, I want to thank Stu and Kimmy from the Happy Jacks RPG podcast for joining us.
3: We want to thank the fine people at Anheuser-Busch for sponsoring Happy Jacks.
0: Yeah, and you can find a link to Happy Jacks in the show notes or if you don't want to look at it, it's happyjacks.org. It's Jacks, plural, happyjacks.org. Is there a Happy Jack RPG, like, you
3: know, counter podcast? Oh, there should be. Oh, I think there's going to be tonight. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And they're going to be selling boot
3: coin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I'll put a link to their show in the show notes. And then also uh, I and probably one other host will be joining them on their show as guests. Here in the very now, n- come
3: on, Dan, we got standards here. Huh? <laughs> you do not.
0: That's so true. The we, we
1: our presence is evidence to the contrary.
0: Fair. <laughs> the things we do for our Kickstarters. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week of great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. Bye. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2018. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com network.